Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the first annual Halloween special from The Warning Woods. This is part three of a five-part story that will arrive at its haunting conclusion on October 31st, Halloween. If you missed any of the previous parts, be sure to go back and listen to those before this episode, and subscribe to The Warning Woods on YouTube or your podcast platform so you don't miss any parts of this story or any of the other stories released weekly. If you enjoy the story, please consider writing a review to help spread the podcast to more listeners. Thank you, and enjoy part three of the Halloween special. The officer drove me to the station and left me cuffed in an empty interrogation room. More police had arrived at my house while he was putting me in the back seat, and as I sat alone in the interrogation room, I imagined the police ransacking my home. I knew they meant well. I knew they just wanted to find Claire. So did I. But they wouldn't listen to me. Of course, it's hard to blame them for not believing a story about a shadowy man named Mr. Wrinkles whisking my daughter away in the night. I only wished I could speak with Ellie. Despite her bizarre behavior, I thought she might at least have an idea of where our daughter could be. Her last text had ended with, I don't know what to do now. Maybe we could figure that out together. A key finally scraped and clicked in the door, and the officer who arrested me entered with a lankier man in a wrinkled gray suit. A detective, I deduced from the late-night crime dramas I frequently fell asleep to. He carried a file in one hand and a steaming paper cup in the other. The whole room took on the cheap aroma of Maxwell House. As the detective set his cup of coffee on the table, I saw his name badge. Aldinger. A strong name. Intimidating. Mr. Davies? Aldinger spoke. It's Davis. Kevin Davis. Right. My apologies, Mr. Davis. His voice was devoid of apologies. He drew out the heavy chair across from me and sat down without looking up from the file he held. The officer positioned himself like a statue in the corner where he watched me intensely. Seeing him just standing there infuriated me. Why wasn't he back at the house helping to find my daughter? Officer Jeffries here briefed me on your situation, but I'd like to hear your version as well, if you don't mind, Aldinger finally said. Of course I don't mind, but you need to talk to my wife, Ellie. She tried to warn me about whatever happened to Claire. Your ex-wife, the detective corrected. 
He seemed to take perverse pleasure in pointing out my mistake. Yes, sir, my ex. Ellie Frankel, we're talking to her too. Don't worry, Mr. Davis, we're doing everything we can. I need to see her, detective, I need to talk to her. Mr. Davis, he said, I just spoke with her myself, and that's why it is essential for you to communicate openly with me. My discussion with Ms. Frankel honestly just left me with more reason for concern. Now, be straight with me. Is she an abuser of any substances you know of? My tongue jumped to the roof of my mouth, forming the N in no, but the word didn't escape my lips. Aldinger picked up on my obvious hesitation and wrote something down in the margin of his file. Wait, no, that's all right, Mr. Davis. I understand. She's the mother of your child. I understand. He swiped the pen off the page in dramatic fashion, then turned his gaze to me and continued, Your ex-wife is blaming your daughter's disappearance on a curse. Witchcraft, Mr. Davis. Now obviously this department can't really do much with that story. It isn't a very compelling lead, you could say. She did discuss this Mr. Wrinkles you have also mentioned. Is he someone you know? Friend? Family? I shook my head while looking down at my interwoven fingers. If the late-night crime dramas were to be believed, everything about my body language was setting off alarms in the detective's mind. The signals were screaming, liar, liar. But I wasn't lying. I was just defeated. I didn't have a better story to offer than Ellie's. If they didn't believe her, why would they believe me? Why would they believe the guy they caught in the house with blood on his hands? I saw someone in her room, and when I tried to get in, he held the door shut, I explained. I went outside and smashed the window. I swear I heard her screaming when I threw the rock. She had to have been in there still. Why don't you sound sure of that, he asked. I noticed one of Officer Jeffrey's eyebrows raise in the corner. Well, well, when I went through the window, she was gone. And that was when Officer Jeffrey's... Wait, how did you know to come? Jeffrey's took a step toward me. Dispatch got a call from your ex. She gave him your address and said her daughter was in danger. Then she just hung up. Ah, was all I could utter. I was beginning to see how the situation appeared to these men. So, do you understand our position now, Mr. Davis? Aldinger asked. Look, you can test the blood on me. There's still plenty on my clothes, see? I grabbed a part of my shirt with a dark splotch. It's my blood. I cut my hands on the window, see? I held out my hands. They had each been wrapped in gauze after I was brought to the police station. A little blood had seeped through the porous material, creating ugly red stains outlined with sickly yellow borders. Aldinger returned to Officer Jeffries. Go ahead and bring the lady in, he instructed. To me, he said, we will test that blood. I'll collect a sample, and we'll let you speak with Ellie for a bit. You two are... we're fine. There won't be any trouble, I assured him. He nodded, closed his file, picked up his now steamless cup, and followed Jeffries out of the room. The officer returned a few minutes later with Ellie. She was cuffed and still wearing her pajamas. Her sleepless eyes were sunken in sickly gray circles. She had clearly been crying, but I had seen her cry countless times. There was something else behind those dreary eyes. As Jeffries closed the door, Ellie sat across from me. Oh, Kevin, what are we going to do? She asked. She sounded like she might collapse in tears again. You've got to tell me what's going on, Ellie. Who is Mr. Wrinkles and what does he have to do with Claire? 
Did you see him? She asked. I nodded slightly, just enough to indicate I had. I assumed everything we said or did was being recorded, and I wanted to be careful to remain a credible witness. Hell, I was the only witness and the key suspect. Anything I said could and would be used against me in a court of law. Ellie sighed. She was staring at her lap as I had earlier. I recognized the same defeat I was feeling. I relapsed, she admitted. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell anybody. I was... am... so ashamed. She couldn't contain her emotion any longer. She continued with tears running down her cheeks. I was out trying to score when somebody stopped me and gave me a card for an N.A. meeting around the corner. I didn't go that night, but I did a few days later. This sweet lady stopped me after the meeting. She gave me some line about being where I was a year ago and told her whole story about getting clean and everything. She said she figured out a way to make it easy, to get around all the withdrawal crap, you know? I sat quietly and listened to her talk. I didn't know where her story was going, but this was more than she had said to me the entire time we'd been separated. Anyway... I went to her apartment the next day because she said she would show me what she did. She seemed normal, safe. She made me feel safe. She gave me some nasty tea she made herself and sat down on her couch. Then she said a prayer. It was in Latin or something. I started thinking she was some kind of religious nut or something. I left when she was done and felt fine, like actually okay. I didn't have any cravings or nausea. I felt good. I felt good for the first time in forever. I really couldn't see where she was going with all of this. I didn't understand how it related to Claire's disappearance. My frustration must have shown because Ellie apologized. I'm getting to it, I promise. It's just, this is really hard for me to talk about, you know? I reached my cuffed hands across the table and Ellie copied me. Our fingers embraced, the first physical contact I'd had with her since before the divorce. Whatever she did to me has nothing to do with drugs or recovery. I think she put a mark on me. You know, like, for the spirit world. Why would she do that? I asked. I don't know. I can't explain any of this. All I know is that the good feeling wore off pretty soon after I left, and that's when he started showing up. That's when I started to see Mr. Wrinkles. The first time was after I took a shower that evening. I was alone in the shower, obviously. But when I pulled back the curtain, I saw him standing right next to me in the mirror. So he's a ghost? No, I think he's something much more evil. He's attached himself to me somehow. I feel like he's always right behind me. I started seeing him in old photos and things, so I took all that stuff down and put it away in the storage. Doing that seemed like it weakened him somehow. It's hard to explain, but that's why I had to keep erasing myself from your driveway. Were you watching my house? I wondered aloud. Ellie tilted her head towards the light above us because she couldn't look me in the eye. A tear rolled down her cheek and splattered on the metal table between us. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I just wanted to make sure she was safe. I had to make sure he wasn't following Claire after... After she saw him. She saw Mr. Wrinkles, too. She's the one who gave him that ridiculous name. She came into my room while I was trying to ignore him and get some sleep. 
I pretended everything was normal until she asked me who my friend was. Oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry. Ellie collapsed into an inconsolable, quaking mound. The chains of our cuffs rattled against the table as she shook it in the throes of grief. You can support The Warning Woods by clicking the Anchor Support link in the description or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, the best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.